It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Support for this podcast comes from the first one with DJ Khaled, a new podcast only available on Amazon Music. What's up, y'all? This is DJ Khaled, and this is the first one. I talk to the most iconic artists on the planet about songs that didn't change the game, but changed their life. We hear from all the A-list music stars like J Balvin, Nas, and Kelly Rowland, who tell their stories about the first hits that took them to being overlooked to being overbooked. Join me every Thursday, only on Amazon Music. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment, or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season is different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch. We're watching Joe Burrow. We're watching a coaching staff try to prove that they're the future in Cincinnati, and Pepsi is a refreshment you need to power through any game day. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football. Watch it. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko, along with your other host, James Rapine. Today is Crossover Thursday. As we record this podcast on Wednesday, James talks with Chris from Locked On Football Team, I guess. Locked On Washington Football Team. What's the name of that podcast right now, James? It's the Locked On Washington Football Team podcast. Locked On Washington Football Team podcast. What a mouthful. We've got that coming up for you in segment three of the show. We're going to get started with a lot of injury updates, some roster moves, and some COVID movement for the Bengals who continue to deal with an outbreak on the football team. Then we'll catch you up on the Wednesday press conferences. And if you listened to yesterday's show, you heard me talk about some of the things I noticed on All-22 And you'll hear Joe Burrow and Zach Taylor talk about some of those things when we talk about their press conferences in segment two today. But James, let's get started with the injury update. Some good news, some bad news, some mixed news, some COVID news. Let's get into it. James, let's get started with the roster moves. A couple new cornerbacks joined the practice squad, which is just an indication to me that these cornerbacks aren't coming off the COVID list in a timely fashion. And... Mackenzie Alexander with that concussion is a question mark. He was limited in practice on Wednesday. That's a good sign for Alexander, right? I mean, he suffered that concussion on Sunday while trying to tackle James Conner. And the fact that there was even a chance uh, of him playing this week, that it's certainly a good sign. Another good sign for the Bengals secondary, LaShawn Sims, who suffered a concussion last Thursday in practice, he was limited as well. So there is a chance now Bengals signed a couple practice squad corners but there is a chance that they have most of their starting secondary back for Sunday's matchup against Washington. The names of those two new practice squad corners are Donnie Lewis, a first-year player out of Tulane University. He was a seventh-round draft pick by the Cleveland Browns. And Trajan Bandy comes from the University of Miami, originally a college free agent with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Also going to the reserve COVID list are Freedom Akeem Muladun and Trayvon Henderson. And coming off the COVID list 
is Trey Waynes. He's back on the injured reserve list. So nothing new there for Waynes, who is looking, I believe, at a return in December, if at all this season. And the other thing to talk about, James, would it be, I guess, the rest of the injury report. They have a bunch of non-participants due to not injury-related issues. A.J. Green, Mike Daniels, Geno Atkins. Geno, we learned, away from the team due to the birth of his child. So nothing going too terribly wrong there. Just a baby being born. All good things for the Atkins family. Congratulations, Geno. Some limited participants in practice. Bobby Hart with the knee. Alex Redmond apparently is dealing with a biceps injury. And Xavier Williams dealing with a back injury. But the best news on this injury report, James, is Jonah Williams back to full in practice after he wasn't on the last injury report last week but then didn't play against the Steelers. Yeah, we wait. let's wait and see if he can do back-to-back full days because he was limited last week when he did practice. And so we'll see. If he's able to go full back-to-back days, to feel really good about his chances of suiting up and playing left tackle against Washington. And you mentioned Bobby Hart. I mean, Bobby Hart now getting back into it. We talked a little bit about it on Wednesday's show. He's trying to, to get back. We'll see if he can get back in time. And that would be good, obviously, if he could get back. The more the merrier, right, in the trenches for the Bengals. But, unfortunately, it's still not looking good for Joe Mixon. You know, talk about bad news. He still didn't practice on Wednesday, the foot injury. Wasn't on the field during the open media portion of practice. Who knows? Maybe he does go Thursday, but it's, it's it seems like it's trending in the wrong direction, Jake. And it's nuts now because we're talking about four weeks, three games and the bye they didn't place him on IR. It felt like a semi-minor injury at the time. And now we're talking about maybe missing a fourth straight game. There were some of those fantasy football doctor types, you know, the actual physicians that like to talk about football injuries as it pertains to fantasy football. They thought this might be a Liz Frank injury for Joe Mixon, the way it was described, or an, another kind of foot sprain. It could be a broken bone. It could be a turf toe, although I think that they do list toe injuries as toe injuries we saw that with AJ Green for a long time in the last few years so we don't know what the issue is specifically for Mixon but it has taken him a long time to get back which if you listen to those fantasy football doctors was always a possibility on the table now that isn't good news you would always rather have your high dollar running back in the game but the silver lining is that the run game has been workable Without Joe Mixon, they found a way to extend it in the screen game against the Steelers. It generally just went quite well without him. I I know the game was mostly out of reach at that point. Maybe the Steelers were gearing up to cover instead of gearing up to defend the run, especially late in the game when the Bengals really ripped off a series of 10-plus yard runs with Samaji Pirine, Giovanni Bernard, and even Travion Williams got in on the fun against the Steelers. So, It's not the end of the world that Joe Mixon's had out there. They're still finding ways to be productive on offense without him, but I'm sure the Bengals front office, Bengals coaches, Bengals fans, everyone would like to see the newly extended Joe Mixon back on the field against Washington. It would be nice to see. We'll keep you updated on Joe Mixon's status throughout the week. Speaking of Joe, up next, we're going to talk about another Joe, Joe Burrow's comments about the way he played against Pittsburgh. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season, whether you're on your couch or if you go to the games. It doesn't matter. Pepsi 
is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football, watching. This is Ross Jackson from Locked On Saints. This podcast is brought to you by Carvana. In the age of online retailers, buying a car should be no different. And that's why Carvana invented a brand new way for you to buy a car that's 100% online. Without leaving the comfort of your couch, you can browse and buy from their selection of almost 20,000 cars. And once you've made the purchase, your car comes to you, delivered right to your door, or you can go and pick it up from one of the coin-operated car vending machines. All of Carvana's cars come with a seven-day return policy, ensuring that you get a car that fits perfectly with your life. Not happy? Exchange it or return it for a full refund. And with its dedication to customer service, it's why hundreds of thousands of customers have ditched the dealership and given Carvana 4.7 stars in customer satisfaction. So check it out, the nation's fastest growing auto retailer at Carvana.com, C-A-R-V-A-N-A.com, Carvana.com. It's no secret, Jake, that Joe struggled on Sunday against the Steelers and the rookie quarterback, we know he can be critical of himself, and he was really critical, I think, of himself on Wednesday. He said there are a lot of different things he could learn from that Pittsburgh loss. And he said, quote, I was lazy with my eyes and a little lazy with my footwork, and, and that he didn't step into a lot of throws. And obviously it was windy, and he acknowledged that he was going to have to step into throws when it's windy, and he didn't do that. You went back and watched – more close than I did uh, the, the second time around. What are your thoughts on that assessment of him? Because to me, it, it kind of lines up with what you said earlier in the week, which was that Burrow was having some trouble seeing the entire field. Yeah, I don't know if it was so much that he wasn't seeing the field well as much as what he was seeing is not what he was expecting. And so I think that it was perhaps his reactions to what he was seeing. And, and it's not that his reactions are necessarily wrong. It's that you have so much to process in such a short amount of time. And when you're a rookie quarterback seeing something that a team hasn't put on tape and you haven't prepared for, and maybe you, maybe you never saw in college. Maybe you've never seen, you know, that double-double coverage that, that he talked about, that, you know, they're, they're doubling Tyler Boyd in the slot on one side, T. Higgins outside on the other side. You, you see the first one. You, you come off the first one because you see T. Higgins, who's your primary read, is doubled. And you come back and, and you see, oh, now Tyler's doubled. I got to find a place to go with the ball. And now Tyler Boyd has drifted into A.J. Green's route on the first third down of the game. And now A.J. has to drift upfield to try to keep that space between him and Tyler because Tyler's been pushed off his spot. He's trying to go over the double team, which he shouldn't be doing. And then that brings Joe Hayden back into a play. So, I don't know if I would say he was lazy with his eyes or lazy with his feet, but I can see why he would say that about himself because to me, he was just bad with his eyes and bad with his feet compared to the baseline Joe Burrow, like usually very mechanically sound. Usually the the point guard vision is a huge strength to his game. And so to to him, who's very hard on himself and knows how good he can be, I can see why he would say, yeah, I was just lazy with it. Whereas to me, from the outside, I can see why I would just think, oh, he just had a, he had a bad game with it. He, he thinks he can do better. And I, I think that that is evident from, from what he said in that press conference. And, you know, I'm excited to see how he learns from it. I'm excited to see him go back out there and play the Steelers and the Ravens again. 
I'm sure the Steelers and the Ravens are both going to have new things that he hasn't seen. They both have really, uh, really disciplined secondaries, really good pass rushes, which makes the quarterback's life incredibly hard. But Joe Burrow is going to learn from those first exposures to those teams. And I'm excited to see how he does the second time around. I agree with that. And I think it's funny. I asked Zach Taylor <laughs> about that comment, you know, lazy with his eyes and lazy with his feet, because that's, that's saying something, right? And he's like, Joe is his biggest critic and he's going to be really hard on himself. And I, I think that's good because when you're, you lose 36 to 10, even if you play well, you should probably be hard on yourself. Well, you know, when you're, it's your ninth game in the, in the NFL and I do think it's it's interesting because you you mentioned potentially him being surprised, and I don't necessarily expect him to admit this because I probably wouldn't admit it in a news conference. But I asked him, I was like, "Well, is it something the Steelers did? Did they do something to throw you off?" And he was like, "No." And he mentioned the double double stuff, um, but but he said, "No, not nothing really caught me too off guard. I just wasn't seeing things, you know. I, I was being lazy with it." So we'll see. Here's what I do like from this though is whatever it was whether it's he was being lazy with his eyes or not seeing the field well or maybe he just didn't and and wasn't ready for what Pittsburgh brought I'm willing to bet that he'll be ready next time and that's the reality of it this year we forget he's a rookie because of how good he is he's a rookie and he's playing arguably the best defense in the league so they're gonna make him guess and make him look bad at times That's exactly what it is. It's just rookie learning. Like he's generally been so good as a processor that we haven't noticed this, but this was a true rookie game for him where the game was a little fast. And I think that's what he means when he's lazy with his eyes or he's not seeing things quite as well as he wants to see them. You know, he sees a thing, then he gets to his next stop in the progression. And then there's just a little like, you know, milliseconds of processing delay. And, and so that is leading to, to some late decisions at times or some checkdowns where he doesn't want to check the ball down, probably. Uh, the other thing that I think was really interesting is the self-awareness about talking about stepping into throws with the wind. He, he knows he's got some limitations with the arm strength. You can see that in the way that he throws a lot of balls. You know, the, the, the emphasis on accuracy, the frequency of back shoulder throws, the way that he throws with such timing and anticipation sometimes instead of just muscling balls into coverage. Other times you do see that, you know, when when things are right mechanically and he really steps into the ball and drives the ball, he, he doesn't seem to have those issues as much. So it's a really good lesson for him because if you go back and, you know, you look at the stuff that Steve Ruiz is pointing out on Twitter and, and he is definitely playing it up. He's trying to get under your skin. So don't don't necessarily let him get under your skin when he talks about the fact that Joe Burrow's arm strength may or may not be an issue. Because realistically, if you have Joe Burrow's mind and, and Patrick Mahomes or, or Russell, Will, Russell Wilson's arm and, and Kyler Murray's speed, well, you have like an unstoppable quarterback. So most players don't have that. There are going to be limitations to his game. So when you see that, you go look at those clips, look at his lower body on those clips. Look at his left arm on those clips. Look at the way his body rotates on those clips and and see if those throws where the ball is fluttering a little bit or it's floating a little bit or it's coming up short, see if he's actually stepping into it or see if there's somebody in his face and he's fading away or he's all arm on him. And what you're going to find is that some of those throws, he was all arm and he can't always afford to do that, especially when there's a 40 mile per hour headwind in his face. And you notice he does have 
the fastball. I'm thinking about some of the tight window throws, the the one to Tyler Boyd where there was like four Browns defenders around him in the end zone before the, the end of the first half a few weeks ago. Uh, just a couple tight ones where he just throws frozen ropes. And you're right, it's because he's drive, he's using his legs and is able to plant and go. And we haven't seen enough of that this year, partially because of the offensive line and things and the, the timing. And, and I, I agree with you. I think that that's, that's the other aspect of this. And you, you think about Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. Well, usually they need to step into stuff. They weren't throwing off balance 70 yards down the field ever, ever in their career. And, and I get it. It's a new era, but Burrow has the athleticism you look for, and he's got to step into throws. And I, I don't think that's some crazy limitation that's going to hurt him. It's just the reality of it for him, and that's that's okay. The more he gets experience with these NFL defenses, the better his mind, the better his processing is going to be. We know he's an excellent learner. I don't know how many times we've said it. There's even that article in The Athletic. And, James, I don't know if we talked about this on the podcast, but there's this company, Estu Cognition, that does this new age athletic IQ testing. It's, it's a, it's different from the Wonderlick and it's, it's more predictive than the Wonderlick. There's an example of a, a really uh, athletic safety that went in the first round who scored low on this test and a less athletic safety in the NFL who went in the fourth round, who scored really high on the test in the first round guy washed out of the NFL, the fourth round guy, got a big extension as one of the highest paid safeties in the NFL. Joe Burrow, one of the guys that took the test, scored in the 95th plus percentile in pretty much everything, 97th percentile overall, instinctive learning, 97th percentile, impulse control, 97th percentile, visual learning, 94th, improvisation, 93rd. And these are test scores that are actually really predictive in athletic success. And so, we can look forward to his continued development. And, and the reason I got into those scores specifically is because I don't know if he actually talked about these before. I don't think we have talked about it, Jake. And it is interesting. And remi- remember all of this stuff, because I, I do think regardless of how this year ends up, whether you, they win four out of the next seven or it doesn't matter. Even if he has a good year, maybe he, he could even win rookie of the year. There are going to be people that criticize his arm. And when you have a Patrick Mahomes and you're in the same draft as a Justin Herbert and guys that are just going to throw it a million yards, then that, that is going to come up and that is going to be a thing. But that this test is just another example of uh, the, the mental, his mental capacity, his capability, his intelligence, his smarts. And uh, you hope that that just continues to, to grow and he continues to get better as a player up next. We're going to talk about a guy who I don't know if he's better, but he put up career highs last week in Alex Smith, and his comeback story is just amazing. And, and we're going to dive into that with Christopher Russell of Locked On Washington Football Team, the Locked On Washington Football Team podcast, because we know about Alex Smith and what happened, but we'll, we'll get some details on, on that in the rest of this matchup on Sunday against the Bengals. Hey, what's happening? It's your boy Q, host of the Locked On Raiders podcast. And I hope you guys feasted on the MyBookie Turkey Day free play that allowed users to grab themselves a risk-free bet up to $250. It was basically a free shot at trying to double your money. If you didn't get in on that, what are you doing? 
No, but seriously, now is the time to get some skin in the game with my bookie, where odds boost, lightning deals, and free bets await all season long. And with the NFL playoffs right around the corner, we know who these teams are. We know what they're capable of, and it's not difficult to find some value in the lines. Whether you're a first-time customer or have been playing with my bookie for years, there is no shortage of value to be found in the thousands of game lines, unique prop bets, and contests that they offer every week. Sign up or get reloaded today. Find an edge, make your bet, and get paid. They also boast a fully-fledged casino platform, giving you access to all the classic table, slot, and card games you'd expect to find at your local spot. And the best part is, at MyBookie, the doors never close, so you can continue to build your bankroll even after the stadium lights have gone out. Make the right play and sign up today at MyBookie. And when you do, use promo code LOCKEDON to get your deposit match halfway all the way up to 1000 bucks. The terms are simple. You put in $200, they'll match you with another $100 in your account. If you were already planning to bet this season, this is free betting money. It's winning season at my bookie, so come join in on the fun and win some cash while you're at it. Support for this podcast comes from CDW and Dell Technologies. At CDWG, we get that migrating your agency to a hyper-converged infrastructure is challenging. Like me, switching to decaf. Gotta do it, don't want to do it, but gotta do it. Whoa, slow down, friend. CDWG's experts can help simplify your transition from legacy to hyper-converged infrastructure with Dell EMC solutions that offer speed and agility. Do it, do it. Have you done it? Is it done yet? Why isn't it done yet? IT orchestration by CDWG. People who get it. Find out more at cdwg.com slash EMC. Let's get a closer look at the Washington football team with Chris Russell of Locked on Washington. And uh, you can check him out there. Obviously, Chris does great work as well for SI covering Washington. Um, Chris, let's dive into it. How surprised were you? Not only that Alex Smith returned and, and, and played <laughs> this season, but that he was able to start and put up huge numbers last week. Well, you know, James, first of all, thanks, you know, for doing this and having me and and the nice words. And obviously, I'm going to steer all of my uh, Washington football uh, listeners over to your coverage of the Bengals, both on the Locked on Bengals podcast, uh, NSI as well. So thanks for doing that. Um, You know, I I guess here, if, if you would have asked me two years ago, if you would have asked me a year ago, if you would have asked me six months ago, I would have said very, very, very surprised. The fact that Alex has made the kind of progress that he did through training camp with no preseason activated as early as he was what I saw in practice and what I knew they had ahead of him. And then when you factor in, you know, an injury to Kyle Allen and uh, the benching of Dwayne Haskins, which, you know, I fully expected it was a matter of when, not if, um, you know, I, I guess I would say I, I'm still surprised at the numbers he's putting up because, Alex only really did that in one year, his his last year in Kansas City. Um, this is not the kind of numbers that he normally puts up, at least the last two games. Normally, he's he's going to manage a game. And, and I still think that's important, James, because, you know, you can't be in 20 plus point holes and expect to win games no matter how good Alex is throwing the football. But uh, I asked him on Wednesday, I said, hey, how have you improved? 
And he said just managing the offense a little bit better and and not trying to do too much at times. And I think he's clearly more comfortable in this system than he was on, in Jay Gruden, former Bengals offensive coordinator a long time ago. His system uh, in nine games back in 2017. And I think overall he might be a better quarterback uh, and a better thrower of the football, ball location, that type of thing now than maybe he was certainly that first year in Washington. You mentioned Dwayne Haskins very briefly, and you said that his benching, and I do want to get to the rest uh, of the Washington football team and not just uh, in the quarterback room, but I, I do think this is interesting. Uh, Dwayne Haskins benched. He was drafted, I believe it was 15th overall a couple of years ago. He beat out Joe Burrow at Ohio State. Right. Haskins is the reason why Burrow transferred to LSU and yeah. went on a, after uh, one year with the Tigers, that second year, obviously, record-setting year, and he, he went first overall. Why is he benched what happened what's what, what's kind of the i guess the the short version because i'm sure there's a lot to it yeah um it, it's funny that you mentioned you know he's the one that beat out Joe Burrow and and you're absolutely right because you know that was the def, that was the some of the reasoning that i heard oh why you can't bench him why you can't give up on him is because he beat out Joe Burrow and look at Joe Burrow and, and i do understand that right sometimes uh, you know an, initial systems initial fits aren't a long-lasting marriage, and I got that. And I was absolutely willing to give it a chance with Ron Rivera and Scott Turner, son of North Turner, uh, this year coming over from Carolina, right? Even though I knew they arrived here with a lot of skepticism, let's just call it that, right? Um, they they were very skeptical of whether Dwayne Haskins was, never mind their franchise quarterback, whether he was going to be able to start week one for them. Uh, and ultimately, he did with no pre, no offseason program, no preseason games, all of that. But honestly, James, it, it, it was a situation. He was the best of the three quarterbacks, Alex Smith, Kyle Allen, in training camp, but he wasn't very good. They didn't have much of another choice, quite honestly. Uh, he did work hard on his body in summer and made sure everybody saw it on Instagram, which, you know, kind of annoyed me, to be honest with you, uh, A, because I'm jealous of his body and, and B, because, <laughs> I, you know, I don't, I don't know if you need to do all that. Um, and, and he did win the captaincy. But the problem was Dwayne has a history at Ohio State, at Washington last year and this year of a couple of things, not working as hard as he could or should, not working maybe correctly, uh, and that's complicated. And then the other thing is being immature. And I think a combination of that, maybe not equal parts, got him, along with, quite honestly, inconsistent play on the field. Um, week three up in Cleveland, he had three interceptions, should have had four, also had another sack fumble turnover. So, um, you know, th this team is not built, to, uh, and not many teams are, to turn the ball over four or five times a game. He would also take bad sacks that would knock them out of field goal position or knock them out of the red zone. And... That was a major problem, and he wasn't really picking up on a lot of the coaching points that they wanted him to improve on. And one, some of that was pass pro and slides and all that stuff. So when you combine all of that, if a coaching staff sees you not working as hard as they think you should work or want you to work and you are still making repeat mistakes, you're going to get benched. Speaking of hard work, I think a guy who – I could just tell, and I could tell from, one, his success on the field so early on, and he wasn't one of the heralded wide receivers in his draft class, uh, and, and then his post-game speech a few weeks ago, Terry McLaurin, 
seems like the one of the hardest working guys. So what what what's it been like to to cover him the past couple of years, and not just him, but but what's this arsenal that Alex Smith has? Because I, I know of Antonio Gibson, I know of some of these guys. Right. Uh, what, what kind of weapons is, is Washington rolling with right yeah, now on so- offense? So I, I think the weapons are probably better than the initial book on them. Uh, you mentioned Antonio Gibson. You mentioned Terry McLaurin. Clearly, they are the two best. You know, Logan Thomas has been a pretty decent red zone threat at tight end as a converted quarterback uh, for them. He's had some volume in terms of targets. You know, he's not a big speed guy. He's not a great hands guy, great route runner guy. He's still learning the position, but he's been reliable for the most part. Um Cam Sims is a guy who was undrafted out of Alabama a couple of years ago, made the team, has bounced back and forth between the team and the practice squad, never really made a contribution until now and until the last couple of games where he's got over 100 yards. That was more yards in one game than he had in his entire career combined in every game. Uh, He had his first career touchdown a couple of weeks ago. He was key in their comeback against Detroit last week. Uh, He's six, five, and he's got pretty damn good hands and he's got, I don't want to say explosive, explosive speed, but he's got good enough speed for six, five. Um, So he's emerging. Uh, I think, um, You know, the real disappointment has been they have not been able to get Steven Sims back on track, who was very good for them out of the slot last year, who has blazing speed. He's coming off of an injury. He's been back for two games now. Maybe he hits his stride, James, quite honestly, against Cincinnati, who I know was banged up tremendously in the secondary. And I'm sure we'll get to that uh, in just a little bit. So, you know, those are some of the weapons in terms of the running back. Antonio Gibson, look, he's still learning how to be a running back. Uh, He's not a natural running back like a downhill north plow ahead type guy, but he can break tackles and he can lower his head and he can, um, you know, keep his legs churning and all that good stuff. Good forward lean. I think he's still learning, again, all of the different nuances and certainly learning in pass pro, which is why J.D. McKissick plays a lot. In addition to pass pro, J.D. McKissick much better than Antonio Gibson. Um, He's also a great, great receiver out of the backfield. So, you know, they have a two-headed monster, if you will, and maybe that's a strong word. I guess it is (laughs) in terms of, you know, the ability to catch the ball out of the backfield. And McKissick is as big of a part of this rotation as right now Antonio Gibson is, um, you know, because they let Adrian Peterson go. And just quickly on McLaurin, he's everything that you would ever want an NFL player to be. He's fast. He's a great route runner. He's a leader. He's a captain now. They voted him captain after that postgame speech that you mentioned. He's modest. He's mature. He's he's everything and a bag of chips. I don't know how many other positive things I could say about Terry McLaurin. Yeah, I didn't know much about him, and I know I, I should, right, because he's he played at, at Ohio State, but I didn't know much about him, and he burst onto the scene last year, and he certainly exceeded my expectations. I think he's no, a rising star. Nobody knew anything that much about him except he was supposed to be the best special teams player in the draft, right, <laughs> which doesn't get a lot of shine. You know how many snaps he's played on special teams since coming to the NFL? Zero. Uh, Three. Okay. (laughs) You know, I I mean, he was supposed to be the best special teams player in the draft, and that was widely considered, and that's what he's done. So that, you know, that should tell you, A, how how challenged Washington was at the position, but also, more importantly, B, how good he is. Let's switch gears, Chris, and and look at the defense. And you obviously look at that pass rush, and it can be daunting with with Chase Young up there, and it's not just him. You got Sweat, you got... 
um, a couple of others, e- even on the interior, honestly, with Allen. But uh, overall, I assume that is the strength of the defense. But what are your thoughts on this defense as a whole? Because I know they've been pretty good against the past, at least the numbers say in the past, the, the, the numbers say so. But is that the case? Yeah. Uh, so so from an overall numbers perspective, they've been much better against the pass than the run. But they have given up, James, a lot of big, big, big passing plays. So if Joe Burrow has time with T. Higgins or, you know, if A.J. Green, who I know is banged up, you know, or if he's in the lineup, who knows, uh, you know, or some of the other uh, weapons that you guys have, um you know, that could be certainly something that they have a lot of success with. Let's uh, let's put it that way. Tyler Boyd, all that. Um, overall, their coverage has been pretty good is how I would describe it again, short of the big plays that they've allowed. They've got a little bit of a mess at safety right now. Uh, they lost Landon Collins. They benched their starting free safety. Uh, they had their... Uh, their their former backup strong safety has been starting at free safety and now he's hurt so he might not play and so they have a kid a seventh round pick a Cameron Curl rookie out of Arkansas who's played very well in kind of a, a a jumbled role he's starting at strong safety at least for right now and they might have to go back to Troy Apke the benched Penn State free safety who's got a lot of speed but doesn't have much of anything else quite honestly uh, for this game so they're a little bit of a mess on the back end in terms of the front seven their linebackers have struggled in just about every way earlier in the year it was really bad against pass coverage or in pass coverage against tight ends now it's shifted more towards covering that up and that has created some problems with them filling gaps and getting downhill and plugging holes and, and being in the right spot against the run. So, again, I know Joe Mixon didn't practice on Wednesday. Uh, you know, if somehow Cincinnati can run the ball and Samaj P. Ryan is a guy who Washington fans gave up on, rightfully so, I think, a long time, you know, a little while ago. And he could come back here and haunt his former team, as Alfred Morris did for the Giants a couple of weeks ago. You can run the ball against this team, even with all that talent. Chase Young has had a good rookie season, but he hasn't had, I mean, he hasn't been explosive or dominant since week two, as teams double, double him, chip him, sometimes triple team him. He missed almost two games because of an injury. Um, you know, Montez Sweat has been good to very good, but I still don't notice him as consistently as I want. And then the two guys on the interior, Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne, like sometimes they show up big time. And again, you you can see it. And then there's a lot of times where they don't. And um, so when you combine all of that, the long way for me to answer that is, you know, they've kind of been an inconsistent defense, sometimes really good in a lot of second halves, quite honestly, and sometimes really bad, a lot of first halves. And that is the story of the 2020 Washington football team. They are dreadful in the first half in almost every way and really damn good in the second half. And I can't figure out how they're so bad in the first half with, with quite honestly, the talent that they have. Make sure you follow Chris on Twitter at Russellmania621. Good stuff there from Christopher Russell. And that's going to do it for today's episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. Tomorrow's show, what's well, prediction Friday as Jake and I, or me at least, will give my prediction for Sunday's matchup. And for Jake Lisko, I'm James Rapine. In his immortal words, who day? And have a good one. 
Did you watch the 2020 Reds with higher expectations than a first-round wild card exit of epic proportions? Did you think that the Reds hitting would come around with the signings that they made last offseason? Are you wondering who is asking you all of these questions? Hi, my name is Jeff Carr, and I host the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Throughout the offseason, I'm going to take a look at these Reds, how they fix what didn't work in 2020, and how they continue their success in 2021. But wait, there's more. I'll also have interesting interviews with players, writers, and everyone in between talking about the Cincinnati Reds. Come join me on the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day.